to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You Podcast. I'm Elisa Connor, and I am your host. I am so grateful you're here. This week, we are talking about email. And I know if you're like a lot of my clients and um, even myself, you may struggle with creating email and writing email and staying consistent with communicating via email. But let me tell you, um, I have been on the email train now for almost a year, a little over a year, very consistently. And it does make a difference in a lot of different ways. One, Um, It keeps you consistently in front of your audience so you're building rapport with them. But two, it gives you authority because you do what you say you're gonna do. And I think a lot of times in business, we take for granted that um, just because we're not doing something, people are gonna overlook it or not see it, but people are watching all the time and you never know who those people are and it could very well be your next client. So in today's episode, I really wanted to give you a formula you could follow to create emails um, easily, quickly, and include some things that are really going to make a difference when you're writing those emails. A lot of times I get email and I actually save them. I call them my email shame folder. And I, I keep threatening to go onto Facebook and blocking out the names so that the um, guilty are um, protected. But there's emails and I actually have people that send them to me now and they're like, oh, you won't believe what I just got. Um, And I'm sure you've gotten them and you don't even realize uh, that you've gotten them and that they're just, they're just so awful. Um, And they don't have a sales funnel behind them. One of the ones I have a winery that I really, really like in Oregon, but I want to reach out to them and say, your email marketing is horrific. Let me help you. (laughs) Um, And I haven't done it yet, but I may, I may just actually respond to an email and say, please, for the the love of all things holy stop sending these because they're so bad um, and they have really cute branding and so they could do they could really have a lot of fun with their email but they don't so if you're like many entrepreneurs and small business owners you probably struggle with email and you're like i don't have time to write an email well if you have a formula to follow email becomes uh, an easier to accomplish goal and it really doesn't take that much time to write an email and I even have clients who will write all of their emails for the entire month in one day they'll just sit down and then they schedule them out which is really nice because if you don't want to stop and write an email every week um, to stay in front of your audience and it really only has to be weekly you don't have to email every single day unless you have something special going on like a launch or a product release or um, a promotion that you're running or something like that but that's a different story that's a whole different email segment we're not going to go down that rabbit hole today but creating those nurturing emails the emails that are building the relationship really only to have um, four main components and um, there there needs to be a, uh, a methodology to them, but I wanted to give you that formula today so that you have it and you can start creating those emails. And so um, I, before I dive into that, I've, I, I wanted to bring uh, a question to my audience. Um, I'm on episode 90. I can't believe it's episode 90 of this podcast. Um, but the, the time has flown and, um, I have been putting some thought into, um, segueing this podcast and moving in a different direction of video. And so I'd love to hear back from you all either via Facebook or, um, 
you know, in, Instagram, any of the any of the social media handles that I have listed um, in the show notes of this episode, and to let me know, like, would you prefer to learn via podcast or via video? Because um, as much as I love podcasting and I love sharing this information with you, uh, a lot of what I teach is visual. And so I'm struggling with trying to show you things um, auditorially. And so I'm thinking about moving into a video show and I would love to get some feedback from you all before I make that decision. Um, If I do make that decision, I have uh, committed to doing episodes until number 100. So I have 10 more episodes that I would do. Um, and so the, the transition will take a little while to get there, but I feel like that's a, a good time to gauge um, where people's interest is. And I will likely do a little bit of overlap. So if you want to come over to elisaconnor.com forward slash podcast and just tell me, um, or even just, you know, hit the contact button, send me an email, whatever you would like to do. Uh, to let me know feedback wise what works you know what you would prefer that would be so awesome and i would really appreciate your feedback so now let's hop into that four step email formula because i think it's really important to um, have something to guide you and it keeps you uh, motivated to create the emails that need to be created i've had a lot of clients who they either would send emails sporadically, they would send them too often or not often enough, or they just really struggled with like, what should I put in this email? And so it comes across as a big giant um, sales letter. And that's not what you want. You actually want to have some strategy behind what you're creating and thinking about that relationship building. So that jumps into number one. Number one in the formula is you need to personalize your emails. Um, there is nothing more annoying than just getting a email that's like, hey, everybody, because it makes you feel like a number. I was listening to a podcast episode yesterday from my mentor who I adore. Um, and he had on a lady who studies, um, I'm probably not going to get this exactly right, but she studies voice inflection and she calls herself a voice alchemist. And so um in the interview, which what, what was really interesting about this interview is that she was talking about how we don't purchase based on words, we purchase based on emotion. And if we can create an emotional connection with our audience, then they're more likely to trust us and want to move forward regardless of what we're saying. Um, what's interesting is that as I'm recording this, I still have kids home, they are yelling at their video games and <laughs> I went back to edit this. I was like, oh, my inflection is really uh, quite hot right there because I have asked them multiple times to be quiet so I could record this this morning. Um, Anyway, so what that inflection will do is either create a reason for them to to have an emotional connection with you or it will stagnate it and you won't have one. And so we are often as human beings, not even aware of what our voice sounds like to other people. And um, I'm very interested. I I have not completed the entire episode. Honestly, I listen to it when I walk and then um, I don't always get through the whole episode because I meet, that's a long story, but I meet my mom. And so I don't listen to it while I'm walking with her, but I'm interested to follow up and, um, read more about what she does, because I I just think that that inflection piece is uh, so valuable. And so what does this all have to do with personalizing your email? Well, when you're personalizing your email, you can't have vocal inflection in there. And so you have to somehow start to build that emotional connection with your audience 
through typing, which is not always easy, which is one of the reasons that video converts so well is that people can get a feel for, you know, your authenticity, who you are, how you show up in the world, what you can actually um, provide to them specifically. And um, you don't get any of that in the written word. You get a little bit of that in podcasting. uh, But I think when you can visually see someone and you can hear them at the same time, you get like dual uh, integration into the, the nervous system. So when you're personalizing your email, that's one of the few things you can do to start to create that emotional connection with your audience. And so one of the ways you can do that, of course, is to add uh, their name into the email. And typically when I create emails, it will be addressed to a person. So that means you have to collect a first name when you're collecting email addresses. And most people will give you a first name. Most people do not like to give you a first and a last name. And I even notice with myself, like if they ask for too much information, I opt out. Like it is, I just had that happen the other day before I could ever get to a product or even see what was going on. They wanted my name. They wanted my email address. They wanted my phone number. I'm like, nope, too much information. I'm out. Um, And so it totally is true that people want to give you less. um, And so keep it to a minimum, whatever you're asking for. But when you're creating that personalization and um, starting to build that relationship, it's really important that you start a conversation. And this is all under that first key point of personalizing. You want to create a conversation. And I like to allude it to um, when you go to a networking event or you go, say you go to a conference and you're meeting people, you want to start a conversation with them. You don't walk up and try to sell them exactly what you, you know, what you do right off the bat, like, hey, I'm Bob and start selling them into your product. Um, because if you do, they're going to walk away and they're going to feel yucky and want to like just wash the ew off after talking to you. And they're going to throw your card in the trash. And so the same thing will happen in your email. Like you don't want to just get somebody on your list and then immediately start selling them. Because if you do and they're not ready to buy and they don't trust you and they don't know who you are, they're going to unsubscribe and they're not going to come back. And so we work really hard to get subscribers. So let's keep the ones that really need what we do on the line and start to build a relationship. And um, that means not necessarily selling them into something else in a forward sales motion, which is a lot of times what people will do. Uh, One of the email companies that I get emails from just mostly because of entertainment and things, uh, examples of what not to do. is that the only time they will email me is if they're having a sale. And I find this so many times with small business owners um, that they will email me when they have a new product for sale or they want, you know, they're ready to ramp up and sell stuff. And I'm like, well, it's a little late now. You should have been like ramping up for the last six months to a year or six weeks or whatever. You should have started to build that relationship, not just jump in and tell me what you got for sale. Um, And it happens all the time, even from seasoned entrepreneurs. And I find it very interesting. So uh, personalization goes a long way in not only creating initial uh, sales and investment from those clients, but it also is more likely to turn those people into raving fans quicker because they do know you, they feel like they have a relationship with you. And if you do it right, um, they're going to, you're going to hear things like, how are you in my head? How do you even know that? It's like you're talking directly to me. Um, because, and all of, a lot of that comes from doing the I- ideal client research, 
If you haven't grabbed my ideal client uh, freebie, you can do that. It's below uh, the podcast notes at alisaconnor.com forward slash 90, or you can go directly there by going to alisaconnor.com forward slash ideal client. It's a great little worksheet to help you work through, you know, all of those ideal client um, research questions. So when you're doing that research, you can start to imagine or determine, you know, what a conversation would look like in their head, because you get to know them so well. And so it makes it easier for you to personalize your content to them, because they're going to relate to what you're writing in your email, what you what you're talking about, and where you're moving them toward. So try to personalize your email as much as possible. And we're going to backtrack just for a second and talk about headlines. Now, headlines are the most important piece of an email. If your headline is terrible and it doesn't uh, incite action and it doesn't appeal to the people getting your email, it's never going to get opened. And there are uh, quite a few things that you can do to help move that along. Um, And I've covered this in in multiple episodes. So I'm going to link to all of those in the show notes. I think I had four different episodes when I've talked about email. So I'm going to link all of those up in the show notes um, so that you can go back and and read or listen to those as well. And they talk about different components of email. But I know there's specifically one that talks about headlines. And you've got to get that headline um, to grab attention and get the email opened. Because if you aren't grabbing attention and getting the email open, then there's no point in uh, spending all this time and personalizing the content and all of the other steps, the other two steps that are in here, because nobody's going to read it. Um, And there are simple little tricks that you can do that I'm not, I'm not going to reiterate in here. Um, You can find those in another episode uh, with the show notes for this episode. But needless to say, the headline is the most important thing. I, um, in fact, I had initially wanted to start with a headline and I looked at my notes and I'm like, oh, I went out of order. But you know what? We're just going on the fly because we already talked about the personalization and so we're moving forward. Mistakes have been made. Nobody cares. <laughs> so, uh, but it is really important to write a um, thought-provoking, inciting, uh, action-taking headline. So getting people to uh, really, you know, have interest in grabbing their attention so that when they're scrolling through the, I don't know how many emails I've already deleted this morning, probably 80, that yours stands out. And so for sure, go check out that episode. I'll link to those, all of those in the show notes, at com forward slash nine zero for episode 90. You'll see all of those episodes linked up. So let's move on to number three. You're, you've got to have a call to action. And I see a lot of people um, either put their call to action too soon in the email or they don't put it in at all or uh, they have too many call to actions. So those are the three things that I find people struggle with. And if you do any of those three um, too soon, not at all, or too many, it won't work. And so the hard and fast rule for calls to action in an email is you got to kind of build up the story a little bit talk about the problem, talk about, you know, um, where they're at, talk about other things going on in the marketplace that, you know, could solve that problem, but why they haven't, you know, whatever that looks like, whatever the email is, I try to stick to one topic, one call to action, and one solution per email. 
So a solution doesn't have to be something you're selling. A solution could be just something that's solving that specific little problem for them that week. And so, for example, if we were going to do an email, and I will do an email for this episode, but if, you know, in that email, I'm going to address the problem that people don't know how to write emails. They don't do it. They get off track or they're not getting traction and they put a lot of work into it. And so it's because they don't have a formula. Well, guess what? I have the formula. There's the solution to get the formula go listen to the podcast, call to action. Do you see how they all kind of line up together? That's what people don't do with their uh, email marketing. They just jump in and they talk willy-nilly about whatever, or they talk about way too many things. Um, they're, they're talking about everything going on in their business. Well, that's just overwhelm. And people will tune out um, and they will not continue to read. And so people are like, well, how long should they be? I'm like, they should be long enough to finish telling your story and getting people to the next stage. And so whatever that looks like for your business, that can be very different for everybody. But sometimes you'll have a short email, sometimes you'll have a long email. Um, Sometimes it's just fun to play with it and see what happens and see how people react. Um, But you've always gotta have a call to action in there because if you don't tell them to take action to tell them to do the next thing, they won't do it. It's just like, I have talked about previously on your website. If you don't tell people how to work with you, how to buy from you, they won't. You need to draw it out for them like a little roadmap, a little treasure map. Um, because without the map, they don't they don't know what to do, and then they get confused, and then they just go somewhere else. Whereas if you make it so clear, this is what you need to do next. You need to come over to the Facebook group and introduce yourself. You need to come over to my website and schedule an appointment. You need to come over and tell me about blah, 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 blah. Um, So typically I will have one at the most two calls to action in an email. And so it's really important to uh, put that in there and to make it specific to what is happening in the email. So you don't want to have an email where you're talking all about, say, um, garden hoses, and then you have a call to action where it's come pick out your spring flowers. Like, like there, you have to connect the dots too much or come and buy wallpaper. <laughs> you know, like what a garden hoses have to do with wallpaper, nothing. Um, but you're a home improvement store. And so you have all of those things, but you need to connect the dots because otherwise people will be like, what? and they get confused and then they're then they they don't feel smart like they haven't figured out why you're talking about this and then going here um, and we don't want to do that to our audience so we've got to make sure that we are connecting the dots for them and telling them what to do next um, and then it's okay the other little component i want to stick in here is that it's actually okay to repeat that call to action multiple times in an email and if you get emails from me about the podcast that's exactly what i do and i do it in the show notes as well so if you need a little example of how that would look you can head over to elisaconnor.com forward slash 90 check out the show notes for this episode and uh any of the other episodes that are under the podcast link and you can see how i've done that and i do something very similar in my email marketing and then the last step of this formula is the PS. A lot of people will ignore the PS, take the PS off. The PS is really important and here is why. It's like putting a bow on your package. Sometimes people just rip the bow off and you know get to the package and they won't even read or look at the wrapping paper. And so this happens in email too. When you send email out, um, people will skim it. They will never read the whole email. I don't care how clever or crafty you are. Most of the time, 
your audience is does not have time to read that whole email. So when you come at section headings in there to give them the key points and then add a PS of what you want them to do next, your call to action, they are more likely to take action. And so um, I've tested this again and again and again, and I've actually used different calls to action in the PS than I have in the body. And almost always, um, if they're different, they will do the one in the PS because people skim what you've put in there and um, they they don't have time to read everything you've put. They may find the section that most is most applicable to them and read that part, but that PS call to action piece is really valuable. So um, if it is perfectly okay to repeat your call to action uh, from the body of your email in the PS, that may be the only place that your audience sees it. Uh, but sometimes I just mix it up because I wanna see what's gonna happen. So um, it's all about testing. The formula is there for guidance. It doesn't mean it's fail-proof, um, but it does give you a way to, to kind of move forward. So let's rewrap that uh, formula up for you. Just give it to you real quick and so I can tell you what we covered. Um, number one is to personalize your email and make it relevant to your audience. Number two is to create a headline that is eye-catching, action-taking, and provoking. And number three is to call your audience to action to, to the next step in your sales funnel. And number four is to add a PS or a bow on top of your email every single time you write an email. That PS, I can't stress enough how important the PS is. So that's what I've got for you this week. I would again love for you to give me some feedback at elisaconnor.com. Uh, you can just hit the contact button and uh, send me an email or you can come over to Facebook, Small Business Builders or Elisa Connor Consultant, Consulting and send me a message via Facebook. That's a great way to reach out to me. Um, and let me know, podcast or video show. I really do want to hear your input. So in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you next week. Take care. If you're struggling with what to say, who to say it to, and where to say it, you may need my new ideal client worksheet. If you know your audience, you know where they hang out, and you know what they're interested in, it makes every piece of your marketing easier to put together. The Ideal Client Worksheet helps you discover the important questions that you need to ask when it comes to finding your clients. It will help you understand them, understand their problems so that you connect with them, attract them, turn them into leads, and convert them into customers. So go grab your copy today at elisaconnor.com forward slash ideal client. See you next week.